in order to have any intention with your free space, first of all, you need to make the free space and then make peace with it. And I think that's what I was working through. It was like, I need to learn how to feel worthy without the guitar. That's what that was. That, that whole season of life was the Lord doing business with me and, and showing me that I'm loved and I don't have to play another song for the rest of my life to be loved by him. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio, Andrew Brown, Juno-nominated singer-songwriter and worship leader. Both hope to share insights into Christian music, exploring ministry, message, and everything in between. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Drew. We are back. It's great to be back. It's great to be here. (laughs) How you doing, man? Not too bad. It's like when you have a repeat guest, right? It's like, oh, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to be here too. It's good to be back. Yeah, yeah good right, to be back. Yeah. 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 I normally say it's good to be back when I enter the coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to be no back. Doubt. Yes, good to be back. So it's all about priorities. <laughs> How are you doing, Drew? I'm doing good. I feel good. I'm ready to rock. Ready you, to party with you, man. You sound good. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're doing okay? You feeling good? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing this conversation that we've had with Andrew Rip. This yes. guy, uh, a completely unexpected conversation, which, I, as you know, I love, right? Yeah. You, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. about this guy. You know that um, he's been in the music business for a while. He's recorded stuff. He writes great music. He co-writes. Um, we're not talking about any of that stuff. <laughs> Which is awesome, you know. That's right. That's uh, having right. said that, like if if you've never heard his song Jericho, which is a big radio hit, oh, it's so good. what a great song! And he's got a new song that's just come out as well. That's just starting to hit the airwaves. Um, this guy is a phenomenal songwriter, a phenomenal artist, and we're not going to talk about any of that stuff. That's that's the hilarious part of <laughs> the whole the thing. Part. Yeah, that's, right. that's the best part. And so we're going to talk a little bit, just not getting too much into detail here, but talk a little bit about busyness versus business in music right. and any other business for that matter, because it it's not mm-hmm. just in the music industry. So we're going to get to that in just a bit. But before we do... Uh, I guess, Drew, you've heard by now about the Junos. They've been uh, yeah. postponed once again. They were originally scheduled for March, then they got pushed to May, and now they're rescheduled for June 6th. Of course, the yeah. Juno Awards is like the Grammys in Canada, right? It's recognizing mm-hmm. Canadian artists in particular. So that's being pushed back. And I guess that's to be expected with everything that's gone around you know, the world uh, for that's the right. last little while. Um, right. And last week, we actually talked a little bit about concerts. Um, yeah, you know, the right, fact yeah. that, that online w- shows and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, the music festivals that are going on, I mean, everybody lives for them, right? Anybody who loves music mm-hmm. loves going to a music festival, especially when you get to hear multiple artists in the summertime on one stage. Um, and of course, as far as a livelihood is concerned, that's important for artists and musicians. Yeah. Um, yeah. How is that impacting you at this point? Um, but it's, it's hard, you know, there's been a, a bunch of festivals that have, uh, you know, shut down, uh, you know, Blues Fest in Ottawa, they uh, are closing their doors for this year, but they are already working on next year. I think they, they already booked like Rage Against the Machine for next year. Okay. So they're already thinking about 2022, which is smart and, you know, that's a way to do it. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things that I was 
crossing my fingers for that now I'm getting the email saying we are postponing this right. year. We are, or a few who are pushing back into the fall, which is fine. But um, it's this is tough. This is a it's a tough season for not just musicians, but you know tech people and 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 people like managers and and everybody's struggling, and that's okay. Just sucks. I don't. I don't. It is what it is. Yeah, I don't mind as much when they postpone something, even if it's to the following yeah. year, as long as it's still happening, because it's it's light yeah, at the end of the tunnel. Right. It's something to look forward to. It's yes. something on the yeah. horizon that you can look forward to. It's frustrating for the delay, obviously. What what really bothers me and and distresses me is when something's like canceled. We're not doing it again. I mean, I heard recently. Right. I heard recently in in my town that I live in. There's this big, huge flea market that happens on the weekends, and I mm-hmm. and I heard this, and I'm not even sure if it's official yet or if it's just a rumor. But the, the the talk was that it's been it's done, like it's over. It's not happening anymore. They're shutting their doors. Um, oh, wow. Because uh, the way th- they work, I guess the vendors themselves are on a, just a month-to-month lease, so there's nothing necessarily on paper, um, oh, right? And yeah. so it's difficult for them to get funding from the government and, and government assistance and, and, and whatnot. Right. And, and for right. the property owner himself, you know, being able to prove to the government that these are my tenants – when they are month to month, and again, it's not on paper, so he has difficulty getting some government support as well. And so it's at the yeah. point where you know what, it, I, I can't make any money doing this. I'm I'm just we're shutting down, right? Yeah. And so yeah. that's a lot of people that are out of work because of that. Oh wow! And that's yeah. that's the part that you know bothers me when you hear about something you know, and you've heard it in the news anyways about companies that yep. you know we're shutting down that's it we're done restaurants yep. whatever right yeah um, even yeah. music venues you know we heard um yes, I, I don't so know who was it recently both. somebody told us on the show about you know a, a big um place in nashville that's you know shut down they're they're not doing stuff yeah anymore, the, right? the exit in yeah that's yeah right. so yeah. that's that's the part that really disturbs me and bothers me because you know I've, could we have done anything different i don't know you know i don't know so don't know. so yeah, it sucks, man. It's 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 weird driving downtown whenever I, I rarely go, but when I do, and seeing my favorite venues up for sale. Right. These massive for sale signs, or a few of them already been you know bulldozed already. You know? Right. So it's it is it or, is or a just, struggle for everybody. Or just vacant, like a big sign that's vacant. You know, it's like yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah, like it's, that's so yeah. sad. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's tough. It's a tough season. We'll get through it for sure. Yeah. But I know me and my siblings, all in the music industry and and in any art sector, we're all like, when is this going to end? When can right. we find some? some and I suppose some money. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I I suppose to be hopeful and to look at the you know positive element to all of this is that the people that put those things together, whether it was a venue or a production company putting together concerts and stuff, the people that run that stuff are, you know, very knowledgeable, they're skilled, they're, they're brilliant. And so at the end of the day, in two months, five months, six months, a year down the road, you know that their names are going to crop back up again and they're going to be part of something Bigger and better, hopefully. So I couldn't have said it better. I'm trying exactly. to remain That's optimistic right. here. That's good. That's yeah. good. Someone has to. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll speak oh. for both of us then. Thank you. I appreciate. Okay. That. So Drew is no longer with us. He's just. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm speaking for both of us, right? Yeah. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> hopefully, people got that. You know, I've got this uh, warped prob- sense of humor. Probably so. not. Yeah. Probably not. Oh well. Anyway. 
Let's let's get into our conversation with Andrew Rip. This is a guy that I, quite honestly, as am not as familiar with as you are, Drew. My uh, introduction to Andrew was literally his song Jericho, which hit the so you know Christian good. radio airwaves. And what a great, great song. And then just learning more about him and the fact that he's been around for a while. He's been co-writing like a lot of hit songs that you would recognize anyways. Um, To have him uh, as a guest on our show, what an honor. And then on top of that, to have a conversation that is totally unexpected, where we're not even talking about his music, like talk about a humble guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, like he's not, he's not, sometimes we get contacted by artists or management companies or marketing companies that want us to promote their, their artist, right? And right. so, you know, their intention is to promote their music, promote, you know, upcoming concerts or whatever else. Uh, this guy is totally not about that, right? And it's very obvious okay. in this conversation. So let's get into it right now. Andrew Rip on Between the Grooves. Guys, how are you? We're doing good. How are you doing? Beautiful, man. Hey, I'm so sorry. I'm a few minutes late. I've been trying to get my duet to play or to utilize the... Uh, SM7 that I have that we do demos on. Right. Yep. And I have been having issues getting it going this morning based on some, I don't know what it is. My duet is like 400 years old, so that could probably be part of it. Um, but I figured I'd just call because I don't want to leave you guys hanging here. Is it okay if we do it like this where I've got my AirPods in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it works, man. It oh, works. Dude, awesome. Hey, I got to Andrew, I got to ask you a question. Um, I have received in the last week... I've received, uh, or not received, I've, I've had two people follow me on Instagram, uh, and the claim is that they are the personal account of Andrew Rip. Two different accounts. Yeah, we've had, I'm getting tons of those right now. I don't know why or what the situation is, but I've, we've been working on it, trying to contact um, who we need to at Instagram, specifically on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So there's like somebody doing something. And yeah. we're not a hundred percent sure what the deal is or what they're after, but it's been quite annoying, but we are all over it and hopefully we can get it, you know, to a point where I don't have to worry about it anymore, but it's definitely been something that has been, you know, front of the to-do list over the last couple of days. I yeah. I, I really, bet. it really annoys me when somebody else gives me a to-do list like that. You know, it's oh like my God. you got your yeah, own, you like got I your whole week. Yeah, exactly. You got your whole week lined up. This is the stuff I need to get accomplished and to do and stuff. And yeah. and, then, and then you got yep. this stuff. It's like, okay, what? I, I'm not able to do everything now because I got to deal with this stuff now. Like, great. You know, yeah. Really frustrating. Yeah. It's wild. Oh, but you know what, man? It's all good in the hood. I'm grateful to have people that want to be me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Eh? That's, I, that's a good place to really be. If they really knew. If they only knew. <laughs> if they only knew. That's right. That's right. What That's flattery. Right. What flattery. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Exactly. <laughs> well, dude, man, it's so good to have you here on the show. So good to, uh, that we can chat with you. And um, like I I personally remember hearing about you through uh, through Dave Barnes. He was like back in the day. He used to be a big yeah. Twitter head. He was always tweeting yeah. and doing videos all the time. And he posted a bunch of stuff about you. And I was like, oh, man, who's this guy? And then I was yeah. in Nashville, like, uh, I think it was like early 2011, I picked up your album and I was like, cause I was a huge, again, a huge Dave Barton fan. So if he's saying you're yeah. good, then he must be good. 
I picked totally. it up and I loved it. And then all of a sudden, a few months later, you came up with that Christmas EP. I can't remember what it was called, yeah. um, but it was so good. And you had that Joy to the World cover. That was totally. so killer. I still do that cover, that version. Man, that is awesome. It's, that's like, we, um, I, I love that, that it came through Barnes, first of all, because he's, that it, Barnes has been such a, just a, an, an advocate for me and my music and has been such a, a gift from God in my life. Like I, I met him kind of randomly through a friend who showed him my first record that I ever made. It was in 2008 or nine and Barnes heard it through, through my buddy Lucas. And he was like, Hey, I'd love to have rip come open some shows. And he had reached, he just kind of cold called me. I didn't know who Dave was. It's like, yeah, I'd love to have you come open some shows on the West coast. I was living in California at the time. And you know, it was like within three minutes of meeting him at soundcheck. He was on stage sound checking. I walked into hotel cafe in Los Angeles yep. and he stopped the band mid song. I'll never forget that. Cause you know, most people wouldn't do that, but Dave saw me walk in. I'd never met him in my life. Stopped the band and jumped off the front of the stage. Gave me a big hug. And I was like, man, that's awesome. And that's so- from that point on, I remember in that first conversation, he goes, Hey dude, I think you're supposed to move to Nashville. Uh, I want to make a record with you. I want to help you make a record, write some songs, make a record, produce it. And I want to introduce you to my fans. And I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. Cut to like three months later. That's exactly what happened. Wow. So he totally changed my life out of nowhere. There's a lot more in that story of how the, the Lord really worked it and orchestrated the whole thing. I didn't know the Lord maybe a year prior. And my first prayer when uh, when I became a believer was that God would give me friends that knew him because I, I was surrounded by kind of a party crowd. Sure. And uh, Barnes was one of the first people that the Lord brought into my life. Oh, that's incredible. Man, that's, now, what, what, what was so going, good. what was going through your mind then? Cause you were opening up for him in, in California. Um, mm-hmm. So after he's told you all this stuff and, you know, I think you need to move to Nashville and, and, you know, I want to produce something with you. What was it like opening for him after all of that was said? <laughs> well, well, you know, there's, there's the, the, I don't know if you guys have had this experience. I think a lot of musicians have where if you got any inclination of any talent, if you got a voice and you're like, start going after it, people will hear you and think you're good and want to be a part of it, but won't actually have the time. So they'll say things that they, they mean in the moment, yep. but then don't have the follow through. Yeah. And there was a lot of that in my, in my life, kind of in my, you know, early twenties, I lived in, in LA, I was gunslinging, trying to do the, you know, just become a musician somehow, some way. And there's just a lot of that where, where people will say a lot that a lot of false promises. And I just remember thinking that immediately. I was like, Oh, here we go again. Right. Barnes, you know, he's like, we're going to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, okay, I'll never hear from you again. After right. these shows. Yeah. Well, that's what was different about it. You know, it was like, he just, he, it wasn't, he wasn't blowing smoke. He really believed and he had the capacity to back up his words. And, you know, he's still one of my best friends. He lives, you know, 15 minutes away from me. We'll write songs together, but we kind of use writing songs together as an excuse to just hang out and laugh. Of course. Of course. It's so good. So, I mean, yeah, I, that was the first thing that came to me when you asked me that question. It was, it's just like, wow, 
he actually is backing this up. He's insane. That happens so many times, musicians. Like I've I've had that in my life, and I've heard that story often. Where um, sometimes mm-hmm. the biggest biggest issue is the fact that people want to support, they want to get behind, it, they want to be part of whatever you're doing. But yeah, they of don't course. have the yeah. they don't have the means, the capacity, which is totally understandable. It just kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's totally fine. Yeah, I totally just, think. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, you can't. I've probably done it. If I'm being honest, like Fair enough. I've probably Fair been enough. the guy who's like, yeah, we should do this. And it's like, oh, I don't even remember it the next day. <laughs> but, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the problem. I think right now in my life, I don't know, like the situation y'all are in, but after coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, like I know it's still going on, but you get, but it feels like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So I say like yeah. we're coming out of it, but there was just a lot of like in my own personal business life, a lot happened last year where I got really busy. And when I get busy, my, my capacity goes down for the things that I really value and, and want to make sure that I have time for and to do. And that's one of those things that I'd love to do is, you know, when somebody reaches out and they've got talent, I'd love to actually like take them out for coffee and pour into them. But when we get busy, it's like impossible. Right. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I I tend to be, and I've said this to you before, Drew, I tend to be a, a very much a, a to-do list type guy. So every day I've got this list of things to do, and I'm not going to necessarily accomplish everything on that list, but there's certainly two or three points of things I want to accomplish. And I feel, I feel um, um, despair and frustration when I don't achieve those things, because then it's mm-hmm. going to be something I push off to the next day and I keep pushing it off. And then I feel, you know, guilty that I haven't accomplished what I set out to accomplish. Right. Um, and, and sometimes I think, you know, when you want to be that person to mentor, uh, someone else or to spend that time grabbing a coffee, sometimes you, you have to be a little bit more intentional. Now, it may be difficult with a pandemic to necessarily, you know, physically go out for a coffee, but there's, there's, you know, there's Zoom, there's other technology to, to get together with people, but, but I do miss that. <laughs> Gosh, it's even all the way down to the prayer life. Like, I find I'm in the best place in my own personal life when I'm praying for other people. But when I'm not... I don't have capacity. I'm praying. It's always like, Lord, help me do this and help me. It's, but when I'm in that space of like, I've got room in my life for the things that matter for that quiet time in the morning or whatever it is for you to set your, your intention and your mind and your spirit. That's when I'm at my best. You know, it's like, honestly, even, even when I'm like, that's when I'm writing the best songs is when I'm tuned in and I've got space to take a walk with my dog. So I don't know. I'm reading this book right now by a guy named John Mark Comer. I'm sure you've probably heard of this because it's a, you know, famous book. But the ruthless elimination of hurry. You guys know so about this good. book? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Man, it's just so good. It's such a great reminder. You know, it's one of those books you're like, yeah, I've heard that, heard that, I know that, but you're not doing any of them. <laughs> right. Yes, the story of my I'm life. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, Lord, I'm I, I got to step into this thing, man. I got to step back into this space where I've got capacity for the things that matter most. Um, yeah. But that's just me being real. I'm getting there, slow, slowly but surely, getting back to that space. That reminds me. A few years ago, I was uh, we had a course in our church, and it was it was one of these um, Dave Ramsey 
university courses, not really a university <laughs> yep. course, but whatever they call it, financial yeah, yeah. university, I think is what he financial calls it. Financial piece. Yep. Yeah. yeah, financial piece. Yeah. So I took that yeah. course and, and I, you know, I didn't really feel I needed to take it. I thought, you know, I'm doing pretty good. And I, totally. and I took the course and from week to week, you know, there were certain things said and some certain things you learned. And a lot of it I looked at, say, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. So I'm doing that right. And there was just one or two key things that I wasn't doing. I remember one of them was, um, you know, buying a car. He was talking about the fact that when you buy a car, you should pay cash for a car. Don't finance it uh, because if you finance it, you're paying, you know, a few hundred dollars a month for this vehicle that you could be putting towards something else. You could be spending on something else. And I was always under the impression, like for me personally, my family, the deal was, okay, we buy a car, we finance it for say three years, and then three years later, replace that vehicle and finance again. So really it's just the same expense every month. But then I got into this whole thinking of, um, yeah, let's save up money to buy a car. Let's buy a used car, not necessarily new because it's cheaper. And we've been doing that ever since. It's like, this isn't rocket science. It was so simple. Right. And yet it wasn't something I ever, you know, did. It was, it was, I just felt maybe I couldn't do it or maybe I was just not applying, you know? So it's the same mm-hmm. sort of stuff where you read something or you hear something and it's like, yeah, that's a great idea. But if you don't apply it, it's never going to apply to you. That's right. You're never going to get that benefit, right? right? Right. So that's right. And if you don't have the time to apply it, you're just like you're spinning. You know, I, I, I work out with the same fella pretty much every morning. His name's Brandon. He's an awesome dude. And I, at the beginning of our sessions, maybe three months ago is when we really started. And I knew that there was something bigger going on, that it wasn't just about a physical training situation where we're diving into working out together. There was something bigger in the spirit. And I'm realizing now that this is exactly what it is. Brandon comes in every day, kind of almost proud and bragging about how much is going on. And I just know that the Lord is trying, <laughs> trying to use me to be like, Oh man, you sound busy, but you know, there's such a difference between having a full life and a busy life. Oh, yes. Right. It's like, yes, busy is like, ah, man, we got, we need to start trimming some things out. Full is a capacity to give and to pray for others and to think of others and to have coffee with the guy that needs a, needs you or call the friend or call your mom. Even like when's the last time you called your mom? That's a really great indication of whether or not you're over capacity. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's such a that's been the theme over my life as of late. L- eliminate that hurry, eliminate that wild, crazy, busy schedule. Oh, let me tell you this. There's one one last thing around this subject. My wife told me something a few years back around the same kind of uh theme. I stepped away from my management and my record label in twenty fifteen or sixteen. And um I remember immediately my schedule just emptied. And it made me realize how much of my identity was rooted in having a full schedule and having things to do and like knocking things out. And I remember her at a, at the breakfast table one morning, I was looking at my phone, just, she could tell there was anxiety cause there was nothing on my schedule. And she just looked up at me and she goes, you know, just cause there's nothing on your schedule doesn't mean it's not full. Right. I was like, right. Whoa, that is such a good word. Like, with nothing on your schedule, I mean, you can be intentional about putting the things on your schedule that, you know, the Lord has for you, or even just sitting in silence. So that's what I did. It was a couple year period after I left my team in 20, 
I think it was 2016. There was a two year period of time where I put my guitar away completely without really? the idea of like, I didn't know I was going to be picking it up again. It was like, I was so worn out from the, I call it kind of two phases of my career. The first one ended. And then I was like, legitimately, I don't know if I'll ever do this again. Um, to just sitting in silence, being with the Lord, listening to music for the joy of listening to the music rather than milking a song for inspiration. That's what us writers do sometimes. We can find ourselves listening to music to get ideas yes, rather than listening to music because it's something we are in love with and it's powerful yes. and it moves you. Um, but yeah, I remember kind of falling in love with worship music during that time which is why the songs that are coming out of me today are happening because I've realized in that season of doing really nothing and just sitting with the Lord, I realized that music is a weapon. It's like this powerful weapon. If you pair melodies with truth, like it changes people's lives and it changed my life in that time. I'd listen to like the Hillsong stuff. Like there's a song called seasons on their Christmas record that just, destroyed me it was so good um it just lifted me up i was in a really tough place i was just like listen to this song and suddenly i feel the weight literally lift off of my shoulders it was so beautiful i have so many questions so many questions but let me start with this one yeah. i want to dig back into um that season where you kind of put the guitar away for a couple of years i want to uh, can we dig deeper into that like yeah sure um, I know you already talked about the reasons and stuff like that, but let's dig deeper into the reasons why you did it and the, what you learned in those two years. Like even what was like being in those two years without music. I'm curious about like what, because I've done that before too in these, you know, in the hardest moments of my life where I just like I'm walking away from music because I need a break. I need to sort of find, yeah. like, rediscover myself almost, you know, rediscover myself right. and rediscover. So yeah, tell me that story. What's all about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's. <laughs> There was a season right before leaving my team that I had been on the road a, a good bit, like over 150 dates a year. So away from my friends and wife, more so than not. And at the end of the that period of time, I was in pan- I was having panic attacks, which I I don't really ever remember even. I remember people talking about it, but I was like, how, how do you get there? Like how, how, but then it was me, I was in it and I'm like having trouble breathing and I'm like, Oh my goodness, not having suicidal thoughts necessarily, but understanding why people would consider ending it because of the despair I was experiencing and the just trauma in my brain. Like my body was shutting down because I was trying to keep up with this runaway train that was like, you know, impossible to keep up with. So I, um, I stepped away. I'll tell you this part of the story. This is important. Um, in the midst of these panic attacks, I came home from a tour and I told a good friend of mine, um, that I was experiencing these things, this fear, this intense fear. And he's like, Hey, you should talk to this, this guy that's been speaking at our church. Um, he's been doing some stuff around the fear uh, just subject. And he's an ex, he like, he's awesome. Knows what he's talking about. So I sat down with this gentleman for 20 minutes at his house and it was like weird. Like I walked into his house and he was like sitting in a lazy boy. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, he didn't even get up. And I just walked over to him and I shook his hand and sat down on the couch. He goes, so what's up? It wasn't like, 
good to meet you. It wasn't like, let's go get coffee. It was like, come over to my house. I'm going to sit in my lazy boy and you're going to tell me your story. <laughs> so like immediately it was weird and you know how the lord just kind of uses weird folks oh, yes. <laughs> like, oh yeah I'm i gotta a, deal with I'm drew weird... all the time so that's what i'm saying <laughs> it's always strange man but anyway i walked into his house sat down told him you know spilled my heart out on the table just all of it it was just i gave him everything what you don't tell strangers you know right and right. I told him everything. And I remember at the end, I said, I was just, I'm just ready to be free, you know, with tears in my eyes. And he looks up at me and just says, Nope. And I was like, offended at first. I was like, wow. I just spilled my guts. And I said, I'm ready to be free. And you look up, up at me and all you have to say is Nope. And, um, after a little bit of silence, he goes, you already are. And for some reason, it just hit me. I was like, it, yeah, I've heard that before. I know that I'm already free in Christ, but I don't. I never had received the gift. Right. I'd never learned how to step into freedom until that moment. It was like, it just, I understood it. My spirit just came alive. I was like, oh, this is a battle that I don't have to fight because it's actually already done. And now it's a gift to be received. It's not a, you don't fight for a gift. You receive it. Mm, that's right. So my panic attacks were happening because I was fighting for a gift that I couldn't win. So I was running myself ragged and my brain was just scrambled eggs and my body was re reacting to that by panic, panicking until this moment where I stepped into the gift that God gave me, which was freedom. And I can't, I can't even tell you like that, that little moment, he probably said 10 words the whole time I was there and it changed my life. <clears throat> so that was the beginning of me realizing I needed to step away from my team. So when I did that, I remember, um, maybe, a, it was at least a year and a half, I think closer to two years of just wake up in the morning, light a candle, you know, get down on my knees, do the quiet time thing, hit the, yeah. hit the bike on my skateboard, come back, um, research, you know, I did a lot of studying the word and what God says about, I, I researched a lot about, um, David and how he killed a lion and a bear in the, in the woods by himself when nobody was watching before the Lord could give him the honor and the, and could trust him to slay Goliath in front of the nations. Like that was so cool. I, I just knew that I was in the David season of killing the lion and the bear. I don't, I didn't know what my Goliath would be later on and still honestly don't, but I do know that that seasonal life and in the moment, I just knew there was something special going on that I was stepping into. It was like the Lord was doing something awesome. And I, I will also say this, I had the luxury because of a, uh, we had an Airbnb. Nashville was like huge for tourists at the time. But we had this little Airbnb house, so I didn't have to like scramble and get a job. And I was so grateful for that because just step away from your main gig and not have to run right into a job I knew was a real gift. And I, I, I think that also just put pressure on me to like really step into it. Cause I knew it was just this divine season that the Lord gave me. It was like, how is it that I don't need to get a job right now? And I can like sit here in my thoughts with the Lord. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, as I did, it just, my heart began to recognize that, a lot of my identity had been wrapped up in being Andrew Rip, the musician, and I needed it. 
And I think ego was being killed in that time. Um, intention. We talked about intention earlier with, you know, eliminating hurry, but like that was part of it for me where I was just like, wow, I, it, in order to have any intention with your free space, first of all, you need to make the free space and then make peace with it. Because a lot of times people are afraid of free space because then they have to sit with themselves. And I think that's what I was working through is like, I need to learn how to like me without the guitar, how to feel worthy without the guitar. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's what that was. That, that whole season of life was me, the Lord doing business with me and, and showing me that I'm loved and I don't have to play another song for the rest of my life to be loved by him. You know, it's, it's interesting, Andrew, you, you're talking about that. And I heard a message recently that just kind of, um, is, is so similar. Um, and it's, it's kind of around the whole setting of goals. And, you know, we talked about the busyness, we talked about, you know, the to-do list and and being busy with that. And, the message I heard was not to spend time in the to-do list, but spending time in the to-be list, meaning awesome. what do you want to be, right? You mm. want to be a good husband. You want to be a good father. You want to be a good leader. And I'm thinking, yeah, that I mean, that, that, that plays right into what you're saying, and it's so true. Yes. And, that, and that dynamically changes what your to-do list is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it completely changes it and you get rid of the stuff that's just meaningless or not, you know, achieving anything. You you get yeah. rid of that whole busyness in your life, you know? That's right. And another, I, to go along with that, I think the main theme um, for me right at the beginning of that season was exactly that. Like, I remember, I remember feeling like the Lord wanted me to kill my dreams, like, to make room for his, not that I wouldn't ever have dreams again, but like, man, if you could, if you could just get rid of these things that you thought you were supposed to be like your whole upbringing, your parents are putting stuff on you. Your friends are putting stuff on you. The praise that you receive at the game, when you score the goal, now suddenly you've got to kick goals to be worthy. And you know, all these things that you carry into your twenties and then into your thirties, it's like, at some point I think, we're called to lay them all down and go, all right, Lord, I'm killing these dreams of what I thought I was supposed to be because the perspective that I had was pretty thin. I mean, I was just a kid growing up. I need to put all of those dreams down to make room for a new one, which is yours over my life. And I think that's why I'm talking to you guys right now, honestly, because this Jericho song that worked last year or beginning of this year did not happen because I was writing a ton of songs. Jericho was like in a batch of five songs that I had written. It was, I I used to write 90 songs and pick 12, put them on a record. Now I'm writing every song that I write for me, you're hearing because they're coming out of my records. But there's, there's just a lack of striving now. And it seems like when you can get out of your own way, um, the Lord can really breathe on things because you know, you got, you're holding dreams now in an open hand, you're holding, you know, your to-do list in an open hand. It's not like, I got to get these things done. It's like, all right, Lord, you know, there's too much for me to do today here. So I'm just going to open up my hand and you, you just breathe on the things that I'm supposed to be doing. But I think a lot of times we, we can get lost in just trying to get it done because that's where we're finding our worth. Right. That's right. That's right. Get, get out of your own way. I love that. Get out of your own way. Like that is so powerful. That statement right there, you know? 
Hmm. Well, I, that's something that I've been trying to put into practice with songwriting and it's worked its way into my life, like on a day to day, but like songwriting is so strange. I find that the harder I try to write songs, the worse they get. But when I make space for them to reveal themselves, when I get out of my own way, sometimes I'll sit down at the piano. A lot of my new songs happen when I'm not thinking about writing one. I'll sit down at the piano and I'll just sing almost like gibberish <laughs> until yep. yes, something yes. starts to make sense or a melody. You can feel there's something on a melody or a chord structure or a word. That's how Jericho yes. came out. I screamed out the word Jericho one morning and it was like, whoa, I didn't know much about the story, to be honest with you. But when the word came out, I knew God was doing something. So I went back in and researched Joshua marching around the walls. And I was like, oh my gosh, something's going on here. But anyway, that's my way of getting, that's my kind of like formula of getting out of the way for me right now in my own business and work. Everybody would have to find their own way to do that. But for me, it's like, I'll sit down and just not think at all and just start, start doing what I do using the gift that he gave me and then just kind of follow the lead. That's actually my approach to writing a lot of the times. Like I'll have some like intentional writing moments, whatever. Totally. But a lot, but a lot of it's kind of like, okay, let me just, let's just see what happens and see what comes out. We'll see what sort of springs out or there's something in totally. this melody. There's something in this gibberish. I just need to you know, capture in this moment. I think yep. it's really cool that, like again, I was a you know huge fan where you're doing like sort of the, the the rock pop stuff, and I'm a huge fan of what you're doing now. And it's really kind of cool to hear your story between those two moments mm, of like, cool. yeah, like it's so so awesome. What have you discovered, and what have you learned about yourself as you sort of switched gears, as you moved more into the worship world, if you will? Yeah, um, yeah, like. I- you know, because I mean, it's a whole different language. At the same time, it's similar. You're communicating thoughts and ideas, et cetera, et cetera. But you're communicating for a different reason and purpose, it seems. So like, what? Yeah. have you learned anything from that? I mean, I've learned so much. But it, I'm, right now, the first thing that comes to mind is that all those lessons that I did kind of learn, those epiphanies, those God moments, those massive encounters in the midst of that two-year season of quiet, I thought that like I had like now I've got this war chest full of these like weapons that I'm carrying. I just drag it behind me everywhere I go. Now I've got all these weapons that I've gathered, but you still got to take them out and swing them sometimes. So it's not like you just get it, get it once and then it's done. Like, I mean, I shared with you at the beginning of this, I'm, I'm busy again and I don't like that. So I'm having to combat busy with intentional so I think the first thing that I thought of when you said that was just, yeah, it's not a one and done. The importance of the the daily, um, for me, the daily quiet time is so huge. But in the worship world, as far as like my language and what I use as as like how I communicate my story and songs, nothing's really yeah. changed there. I think the only thing that might've changed is a realization of how powerful music is. Like when you recognize that your job actually has the power to change lives rather than just entertain somebody for three and a half minutes, like the, it's an honor to be able to do it rather than like, Oh yeah, I get to do this. No, no, no. Like I'm going to steward this gift now. And every single song that I put on my record, I want to make sure is is for a reason like it it has the breath of god on it it's not just a song that's gonna you know 
give somebody a warm fuzzy, although that's a nice feeling, but I'd rather an engraving on the heart of yeah. someone than just a fluffy feeling for three and a half minutes, you know, like I want people to know that, you know, like their worth is not wrapped up in what they do. How do you do that? How do you convey that message in a song? I don't know, but that's my job. So I think there's just a reverence for it now that wasn't there before. Wow. Um, can I say, Andrew, uh, this, this is not a conversation I was expecting. Mm. This has been better. Oh, so good. Yeah. I'm glad I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I, I want to hear, I want to hear more from you guys, uh, around these subjects too. I just, you know, I feel like I'm just ralphing on you, but no, no, I'm just going with <laughs> it's it. It's good. We this love, is, we this is, it. this is we all powerful it. stuff, powerful stuff. It's, it's, mm. it's reiterating stuff that we should, we should know we should be doing this stuff. And yet you get right, right. so worked up in, like you say, the business, busyness of life and, and things mm -hmm. and just kind of going through the motions because you feel you have to go through the motions when, when really it's take a step back and you know, why are you doing what you're doing? You know? Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's really it. It's not an easy thing to to step back when you're kind of spinning with the I lived in L.A. for a while. And I remember the analogy that we would use when we left L.A. I used to think that leaving L.A. was giving up. I remember thinking like, oh, we can't leave. We got to keep fighting. We're gonna... And then finally, like after the Barnes thing, we left. And then I could see this lifestyle I was in is almost like a tornado. It was like this thing that you were, you thought you had to keep up with. Like you're in it and everybody in there is spinning. Not, not to bag LA because this isn't everyone, but it was my experience out there. It was like everybody was spinning and trying and striving and I got to get to the next level. And like, but you can't see that you're spinning because everybody's spinning with you. So it looks normal. Right. right. But yeah. then you get spat out and you're like, oh my gosh, like you look at that storm we were in. <laughs> It was yeah. like, that was insane. Well, look at the so, people that are still in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, and I have friends that are spinning right yeah. now. Yeah. And that's part of the difficulty in conveying the gospel, because I think some people try to, you know, it's like force this truth that we know. It's hard to love somebody that's not ready to hear. Like, I'm not going to call my buddy and be like, you're spinning. <laughs> be like, I would call my buddy and just ask him how he's doing, you know, yeah, that's like, right. that's right. But it's, it's tough. I'm not super great at that. If I'm being honest, a lot of times I'm like, I'm the, you're spinning guy. Let's come on, dude, come over here, move to Nashville. Let's slow down. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So good, dude. I, again, I've been a huge fan of yours for so long. And so it's so, so good to actually just mm. hang out and have this conversation and get to know you a bit more. So the man behind the music, thank you so much for, for, for hanging out with us today. It's been a joy. It really has been. Wow. Well, likewise guys, thanks for making time for me. I appreciate it. I did not expect that. When you, when you, when you speak with a musician and an artist, you kind of expect to have the conversation of, you know, specifically about their music and what makes them tick and what are their songwriting techniques. And I mean, he's done tons of co-writes, but yeah, yeah, we didn't yeah. talk about any of that stuff, right? It's just, yeah, yeah. just an incredible conversation. And, and his, his, uh, what he said about get out of your own way. 
It's so yeah. powerful, so powerful, and so true, you know? This is it. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we want to talk about, you know, life between the grooves, the stuff that's not about necessarily lyrics and, and recording, and but it's about, you know, what happens in those moments around and behind and in front of the music, which I love. I love this conversation. I've been following this guy for so long. It's so good to finally have a sit down with him. His story and his the way he tells his story yeah. was so, so amazing. I'm so glad. We had a chance to sit down with Andrew Ripp. I think it's so relevant, too, uh, for artists, in particular, knowing that we have a lot of artists and musicians and people in the music industry listening to this show, uh, and and they are stuck in that rat race. Much like people yep. in the business world anyways, uh, outside totally. of music would yeah. be, but, you know, spinning in that tornado as he described it. And, and it's yeah. so true. And, you know, while, you know, over the last 14 months or so, we've we've been in this pandemic, uh, and it hasn't been as busy for people. There are people still spinning in that tornado and it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse as things get back to a, a norm once again. Right. Yeah. And so right. to, right. to, you know, listen to what he has had to say and, and, you know, almost step away, you know, take that step away, take that break and analyze like, what is this achieving? Like, why am I doing this? Right. Because essentially that's what he does. Like, why the heck am I doing all this? I'm just going to cut everything right now and take a step back and and, you know, spend time with God, spend time in the relationship, spend time with people, my wife or whatever else. And and analyze what needs to actually be, you know, what I need to be doing, you know, as I said before about being versus doing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a helpful process to do. I've done it before, too. It is so good to kind of just take a break and sort of rediscover yourself and also rediscover kind of not just who you are, but also who you are in God, you know, and what, what he's up to and what he's speaking and what he wants to do through you. Yeah. That's that's what's all about. Thank you, Mr. Rip. This was amazing. Well, it is time for artist advice. And this week we hear back from previous guest Hope Darst. I mean, obviously, I fall into the category of a new artist, but I'm not a young whippersnapper. So I've lived a little bit of life. And I think if there's anything I can encourage artists in general, it would be to stay connected to your local church community, specifically to find a place to serve in your local church. Um, I think it's really important that we always continue to stay really tethered to people because that's where we work out all the things in life. You know, it's hard when you're an artist and you're out on the road and you're touring and you come home, it's easy to just want to hole up in your house and just do laundry and be with your family and do nothing else. But I think if you can force yourself to to get into your community and serve, um, it, it will make you a better person. And I think it ultimately will make you a better artist. Simple words. Stay connected to your local church and serve in your local church. It's so important. It really is. It it keeps you um, grounded, I guess. That's the perfect word, for yeah. sure. I yeah. guess that's ultimately what it does for you. It's it's great to be so involved in your career and so involved in and doing concerts and gigs and being on the road and everything else as as an artist, but to be grounded is even more important. And I keeps mm-hmm. the fact that you are grounded. Uh, I think. Uh, says a lot because people can read that in in you anyways you know that's right that's right 
when I used to travel and tour, and even when I was mentoring other artists, I would always say, listen, if you can't be there on a Sunday, because obviously you're playing somewhere, just make sure you're part of a small group. Make sure you're part of a small group, at least that. Because those people will be your support system, your spiritual support system. They'll yeah. serve, they'll pray for you, they can connect with you, they can, you know, keep you accountable if that's what you need. Having a community, a spiritual community to kind of keep you grounded, like you said, is so, so very important. So yeah, great words. And it's a lot easier now to be connected with you know, everything that's happening online and churches basically having weekly services right. online. I don't think the weekly services are going away anytime soon. You know, when you're allowed in person to have church services, I think the online streams will continue. I think it's important that they do because it, it meets the need for the people that can't necessarily be there in person, like musicians or people elderly that, you know, can't get out of their house because they're yep. sick or they're yep. not mobile. They don't have a ride, whatever else. It's just, That's right. you know, I, I can think of my mother-in-law who at times wasn't feeling well enough to go to church. And so she didn't go to church. Well, yeah. wouldn't it be nice if she could just turn on her TV or go online and be able to participate that way, right? That's right. Exactly yeah. that. So, Thank you to Hope Darst, and thank you so much to Andrew Ripp for being our guest on Between the Grooves mm -hmm. this week. We have new episodes dropping every Monday, so take a listen, subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. That just helps us reach more people. And connect with us on social media. Twitter, Facebook, you know the deal, at Between Grooves. We would love to connect with you there and hang out and chat about all the things about this podcast and more. And I guess we'll see you next time. We hope we do anyway, right here on Between the Grooves. Between the Grooves.